0: Welcome to the Super Colorful Original Telecommunicated Transmission, otherwise known as ScottCast. I'm here today with fan favorite Ian Dixon, and we're talking about all sorts of stuff. Yeah! Right? This is... I like this cast because the last time we recorded was about four days ago. hmm On Martin Luther King Day. And yep. today is Friday of that same week. That's true. That's, uh... It's not even consistent. It's like uh, I don't want to say excessive,
1: but (laughs) (laughs) it's too much. Scott cast. (laughs) It's like it's a a fast, almost a bonus cast, but It's, it's it's like your regular cast, though.
0: Yeah, I felt like we should reward our listeners because I looked into the email bag and I was like, oh my gosh, there's stuff here. Yeah, people are clamoring to hear from us, and to celebrate our bad, bad cast, we're having some good Leroy brown ale from the Rochester Mills Beer Company. Yeah. Thank you to Rochester Mills Beer Company for giving us a free sip of the beer when Ian went to the store to buy the beer. Yeah. Convincing him to eventually actually buy the beer. (laughs) Was this at Steve's? Yeah. The famed Steve's? The Rochester Hills guy was just uh, hanging out? Yeah, I guess Friday nights, like,
1: from 6 to 8, they usually do tastings. Sometimes it's liquor, sometimes it's beer. Really? Today was Rochester Mills, yeah. You got to follow them on, uh, what's it, Instagram or whatever.
0: Steve's? They've always got, yeah,
1: like liquor reps up there.
0: I didn't realize Steve's was hitting the social media. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize they were hip and yeah. doing promotions and stuff. I thought they were just like, hey, we're Liquor store in Hamtramck. Doors open. I mean that would be enough, but
1: right? It seems to work. Just just go in and get free booze and walk the fuck out.
0: The liquor stores are like the always the cleanest, the (laughs) most well stocked stores in this town.
1: You can get all your needs met at Steve's.
0: We should be sponsored by Steve's, especially (laughs) if they're like all hip on the social media. Yeah, you know, like we'll talk to them. I'll be like, "Yo, I bought a lot of Jerry's from you." I bet they got
1: a like really prime dumpster out back too. I oh, not right. checked it out, but I I'm sure they do.
0: Yeah, that's that'll be part of the sponsorship deal is like we get use of the dumpster as a prop. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't want money. We just want to say we have a sponsor and we could use a dumpster. Yeah. That's a that's a good deal, Steve's liquor. I'll send you this podcast and give it a listen. And if you like the first ten minutes of it, we'll put a little Steve's ad at this first ten minutes of the next few podcasts depending on our deal yeah yeah Steve's Liquor Hamtramck if you listen to this podcast don't tell them you do because I don't want them to know how many people listen <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep that metric secret for now <laughs> <laughs> Steve's do it we'll promote it on the podcast a little synergy yeah synergy's good
1: I think it's mostly like regional things I think they've had some like Distilleries from Chicago land area kind of coming through and doing whiskey stuff. But I always see it
0: after it's done. Otherwise, I would go get free whiskey. Per capita, whiskey sells less than beer, I imagine. Yeah. We're like the whiskey of podcasts. Maybe we should find a whiskey distiller. Mm -hmm. A scotch, perhaps. Or bourbon. Scotch, that means we can do some international travel. Yeah. Get some Scottish fans going on.
1: There's distilleries in the city. You got two James in Corktown. You got uh, Detroit City in uh, Eastern Market area. There, they're all doing whiskey stuff. I think they're a little too high class for us. <laughs> <laughs> Are they? I mean, I would be down if they wanted to sponsor
0: us. I mean, I think we're high class podcasts. Like of the like yeah. two dudes talking shit mm-hmm. genre. Yeah, we're pretty classy about it. Like. We bring up intellectual topics. We read a
1: book before. What's the um the cutoff for like how much necrophilia can be involved? Because I think that is (laughs) That's come up more than
0: twice. I think necrophilia on a podcast is the kind of topic that just proves how good of a podcaster you are. (laughs) Because in a normal conversation where, like, decent people are involved, mm-hmm. you bring up necrophilia, it stops. No one wants to joke about it or laugh about it. People are disturbed. They want to go home and just rock themselves to sleep, mm-hmm. you know? But if you bring it up on a podcast and you still come up with a nice yarn and a couple zingers and you get on to their next topic, phew, that's that's skill. Yeah. that's That's dropping pod right there. So yeah, I mean, if that doesn't disqualify us from, if anything, that that we should be sending that in as an example, <laughs> just all the no necrophilia clips, like <laughs> yeah. pasted together, the compilation. Oh, that would be a good thing for Scottcast though. Like we have a few recurring topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's put all the Scottcast City talk together. Let's yeah. put all the necro talk together. Mm-hmm. Every time Elon Musk has ta- said someone was a pedo, and we commented on it. String it all together. And have a little, col- like a collection of Scott casts from the Scott cast.
1: Uh-huh. We just have to be careful about how we title it. Like, we don't want the Scott cast pedo selection. Right? It's like there's
0: four <laughs> things, two of them the pedo and necrophilia. <laughs> <laughs> the philia section pedo, necro, <laughs> <laughs> biblio. There was that episode, yeah. Yeah, we'd have a, we had a bibliophile episode. Yeah. You know, just completely depraved bibliophilia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if people want Sinophilia. to send us
0: booze for that, then right. I, I wouldn't uh, decline. Right. Because I have this theory that people like podcasts because they like to listen to people who they find to be charismatic, hmm. you know, who convey a warmth and a strength that they find appealing. Yeah. Like you're listening to a podcast because you're like, I think this guy's fun to be around i i look up or at or towards this in a positive light because you're spending a lot of time basically just sitting at a table with someone not mentioning yeah your it's, own it's almost like you're hanging out with
1: us you yeah. just
0: can't see you or yeah and we won't let you in <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk shut up <laughs> we're not even looking at you that's why we should be sponsored by some booze or liquor company anywhere on the supply chain at this point. Yeah. Whether it's steves, whether it's people growing hops or making barrels or the liquor themselves or just the liquor industry. <laughs> Brought to you by the Bureau of Alcohol and Firearms. Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. Yeah. ATF. Yeah. That's the that's the agency that's like the bait tackle finance and computer repair shop. Of the government, I always wanted to start a shop where I could like just have a bunch of different things I do that I like. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess like a podcasting, web design, uh, comic book, book, and movie emporium with coffee mm. and fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great store. Yeah, I mean,
1: I wouldn't. I would. Uh, I would hang out there.
0: Sounds right? like a good time. Yeah, and like that's the thing is it's like it's it's like meant to be a bit of a hangout spot, mm-hmm. but also a place where you can make a purchase and like let's go to that store, browse around, check out a live podcast, eat some fried chicken, drink coffee. Yeah, you know, right next to Steve's Liquor in <laughs> Hampshire. <laughs> There's a thrift shop, so you can get your VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. We were looking at a list of the world's most prized VHS tapes. Some of them reaching values of 300, $400. Yeah. What is, what is like the most valuable tape you own? Like, do you own like any like glass case tapes? Um, hmm. probably
1: not. I don't own anything like exceedingly rare. Like I've got ones that I, I value, I prize them. Like I a, uh, the, Pink Flamingo's special edition signed by John Waters. That's a glass case. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's not like an uncommon tape aside from that it's been signed. Um, yeah, but it's just, uh, I mean, I guess tapes in general are, are becoming
0: rare unless you collect. I feel like you were at the beginning phase of collecting VHS tapes. So you're like you're like the VHS tape collector, one of the first wave of veterans. In that collecting industry. It's been so long, people have been collecting comic books, that if you're going to start collecting comic books now, it's almost like it's a terrible idea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you started before anyone even cared about VHSs, where everyone was just like, VHS, but check out my HD DVD player. This is surely going to win the battle. Well, I don't know that I would say I was on the forefront of the VHS thing. I think there was a... Oh, you're a copycat? There
1: was like an underground going... How did well, you get into I it? In was it there? just I mean, I I had some from when I was a child, like before I got a DVD player. I bought like Dead Alive when I was in early in high school probably.
0: Okay, that's a good start. That's where you yeah. want to start with collecting and stuff
1: because that's when you could say it's genuine. Cuz it was like it was that it was when the VCRs were dying, so no one was really collecting, but I I was that's what I had, so I was still procuring and um never got rid of it i it, it was prized, so you know i mean yeah
0: I, I i wouldn't say i was a serious collector you do have an affinity for vhs players when we were watching the the bendy arms video called it's dave <laughs> and there's a scene where um he like he's like eating cheese yeah, fondue <laughs> <laughs> and you and like the only thing you said the whole movie was like that VH, poor vhs player that poor VHCR. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean
0: you got you got a little warm warm
1: spot for it i i i like esoteric media i would say i was more close closer to the front of like the vinyl collecting because that was i mean i guess it was around the same time like high school early college that i started collecting vinyls but that shit was like all the stores around were used stores. They weren't doing pressings like they are now. And those were on the way out. You would it was seemed like vinyl was gonna die. It was like, oh, this is the last chance to get these big round discs. Yeah. And then like late two thousands, early twenty tens, it like took off
0: and now that's like how people purchase physical music. Right. Because it's like, you're not, what are you going to do? Get a CD so you can play it in your vintage Jeep, r- r- great Cherokee? <laughs> yeah. You're either streaming or you're getting vinyl now. Yeah. So
1: I was more at the forefront of the vinyl thing than the VHS thing, I would say.
0: Okay. And you got, uh, do you have some choice vinyl? You got some glass case vinyls? Glass
1: case vinyls.
0: Eh. You just collect the wrong shit. <laughs> <guess. laughs> like I've got some, uh, some old Magma
1: records that are like OG pressings but not like first pressings. So those are like a little bit rare, but not super, super rare. I don't have anything that's like horribly like one of a hundred or anything.
0: <laughs> I'm not even sure I have anything of that nature. I know my mom gave me like a signed Led Zeppelin coffee table book. That's so prized. Like I don't even take it out of the box. It I came. mean, that's pretty sweet. Right. So I was like, we do have like, I, I don't even think about it, but yeah, the signatures of Jimmy page and, uh, I think it's actually just Jimmy Page. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't Led Zeppelin sign, but still, I do have that. And I suppose that's rare, but mom gave it to me. So it's like kind of like a, I didn't collect it. So Mm -hmm. like there's a pride to actually collecting. Mm -hmm. Sabelle was uh, with her dad the other day and just showing her his comic collection. Mm -hmm. And he was collecting comic books like in the 70s and stuff like that. And he's got apparently long boxes like, you know, yay big. And he's got like a bunch of them. And he was collecting double copies of all the star Wars comics when they were first coming out. Uh, Conan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's got like first edition, like mint. As far as I can tell, star Wars comics, thousand dollars. Like, and and like a high grade. Yeah. Insane. how that kind of stuff works, but I, I'm never going to have that kind of luck. Mm -hmm. Cause the only thing I've ever tried to collect, I think was, downloading things <laughs> <laughs> illegally usually <laughs> it's like how many how much data can I amass can mm-hmm. I hoard
1: I guess I, I did get one VHS um sorority babes in the slime ball bowl of rama are you allowed to have that <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cheesy 80s kind of like horror comedy found it for 50 cents when we were just uh road tripping up north. I do, I like follow some people who actually collect VHS and that was like one of the dudes, like, holy grails, like that's what he's been looking for. He was like, if you ever want to trade it, let me know. I'm like, well, he's got a lot of cool shit that like, it's probably actually more valuable than anything I have, but it's 50 cent tape he wants, so I'm like, hmm, but I don't want to trade it.
0: It means something to you. Yeah.
1: That's a hell of a find. In the wild for 50 cents.
0: I mean, that's kind of, but like, that's why you trade it though, right? Because you got it so low. That would make sense. (laughs) There's an emotional
1: attachment to. I mean, yeah. (laughs) have an emotional attachment to sorority babes
0: at Slimeball (laughs) Bolarama. That explains a lot. (laughs) I mean, how can you not have an emotional attachment to Slimeball Babes and University Bolarama? Yeah. Did I say it right? No. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I did. <laughs> I'm trying to do the listening thing. I was mm-hmm. told to do more listening in my life. Yeah. You know. By by a spirit in a dream. It was a wolf spirit and it was standing on an apple. And on this in this apple was a ticking clock that represented Saturn. And then I woke up. Are we getting interference? <laughs> yeah, again? we're getting more interference. It's like a running theme that we're getting interference with. It's this. like a bad drum track, and like. We're getting someone's mixed <laughs> demo. <laughs> <laughs> getting a whack demo in the airwaves. Sorry about that, audience. Oh my God. Oh, geez. They're getting booed off the stage. Ain't no B Rabbit up in here. Oh my Lord. It's okay, guys. It's okay. We are, we're we're back on track with this sky cast, I think. You know, we were talking about collecting and how you have an emotional attachment to slime ball sluts or <laughs> what was it? Sorority babes <laughs> and slime ball bowl or rama. Okay, <laughs> I guess I was imagining a different genre. <laughs> yes, you were. I, I happen to still have named thinking the, about Filias. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the porn parody of uh, <laughs> slime ball babes. No, I'm not doing it right, am I? No, I can't just do it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, I, I just got to resist in in post making that the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I should make the title the VHS you said, which I'm not going to try to repeat right now because I obviously can't. Mm-hmm. But when your buddy Googles it, because he's probably still looking, I bet that was like his last chance, his last mm-hmm. hope. And when you denied him the chance to trade for any of his splendored goods, you ruined his life. <laughs> 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 and like only once in a while will he like Google slimeball slots mm-hmm. looking for the VHS. First result, because it's the title of the podcast episode, it's going to be this episode. Yeah, He's going to click it. He's going to be like, wait a minute. This is the guy I was talking to. He's talking about me. He's talking about me right now. (laughs) I'm actually saying this right now. Then he'll get in contact with you. This episode is all about networking. It's a networking episode. (laughs) We're like, we're going to get the sponsorship with the liquor store. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to find a seller for these goods we've been holding on to. (laughs) Going to draw in the underground VHS folks. Yeah. You know. Because, you know, we're in a transition period in our lives, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you're a little bit later in it than I think I am, but I was reading there's this universal, apparently, transition period. It's probably not real. Mm -hmm. Age 30 transition. Yeah. Which in the 50s, they said, ended at, like, 28 to 33. That makes sense. And I'm like, wow. Okay, so millennials aren't just lazy. It's just... (laughs) How it's people just, are, yeah. Our uh, our systems are pretty fucked. They didn't know about millennials and lazy millennials in the fifties. True. So I feel good about that. Yeah. And now I'm just using that to kind of guide my thinking. So in the future, we're trying to get more sponsors from liquor stores, and we're trying to sell off more of the things we've prepared. Mm-hmm. like all these T-shirts at the Scott Cast store. <laughs> and here's the new T-shirt promoting music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is fun sounds bed. like we're, we're selling cars,
1: man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like Maseratis.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let me tell you about that Veeblin shirt. It's got the big X, two thousand dollars. It's for the ballers in the Scott Cast Army. And then we got all other sorts of shirts. And we're gonna have like a shirt that just has the logo on it because we got an email bag recently saying they wanted a shirt with a logo a on a straight ScottCast logo. And I'm kind of wondering why he didn't do that. He doesn't want it black, though, because he, he likes to hang out in the sun. hmm It's going to be the uh, construction cone orange? Or... I think that's the only alternative. Yeah. 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 So go to thescottcast.com and check out that stuff. I'm just having fun with this <laughs> all right um how do i get out of this do i have an explosion that's good there we go (laughs) that's gonna be what does it so now we're on to email bag isn't that awesome we got an email bag if i could find the button there it is email bag I realize you frown on links by ignoring them completely, but this read is highly recommended. Both you and FFID, fan favorite Ian Dixon, are in danger. If you choose not to heed the warning, perhaps there is an Ick episode in here somewhere. Hmm. Well, okay. So this is clear, clearly from a fan yeah. who watches a lot, who knows about Ick. Probably listened to the Hamtramck Avengers episode. Yes. So they know the running cat theme Mm -hmm. and it's Sabelle. (laughs) Anyway, there's compelling, if not incontrovertible evidence that cats will eat your arm flesh upon your death Mm -hmm. in your home. It's like all the time. It's like what they do is their thing. Yeah, that wasn't really news to me no you just knew I'm sorry him. to burst the bubble but oh okay so you knew that you're gonna cats get your old flesh 100% eat you if you die yeah did you know like the, about the way they researched it though that was my favorite part about the article I saw they did the, you know, the body farm kind of thing yeah they yeah. <laughs> just let like cats out on a body <laughs> farm a bunch of human corpses <laughs> laid out in a grid and a bunch well, of well that's felines. important stuff to know man That's why they got body farms. They could tell. They have to test all different uh, scenarios. (laughs) That's true. Like, what if someone died in Hamtramck? Exactly. You know, there's so many stray cats around that that's probably the standard state of corpses found in town is that their arms are eaten.
1: Yeah. You find someone crushed next to a dumpster with no arms. Now you know what happened.
0: Hamtramck Avenger came in, incapacitated them. Cats came in to finish the job. That's right. Yep could be a forensic anthropologist right now. We practically are. <laughs> forensic anthropologists. This is not a real job. Ever watch Bones on the TV networks? It's one of those TV network, like, true crime. We're going to solve mm-hmm. the crime, but yeah. we're all going to be quirky about it kind of shows. Yeah. She's she's a forensic anthropologist, and she's she knows all about dead bodies. And right. She talks in a monotone. Anyways, we could do that. I've seen it. You know it's kind of what Brown went
1: to school for. She'd probably be mad if you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, not the, not the, uh not, the not to that extent, but anthropology is different. Forensic anthropology. Well, she took she took like introductory courses in forensic anthropology. Her I took introductory
0: was... courses to science. You don't like see me like defending science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Don't <laughs> no comment on that. You've been meaning to talk to me about that. <laughs> <laughs> but does she listen? Like, if she listens enough, that uh, that she will get mad if I. Well, she has drop like
1: Jade. We have respect for that field, and like she's worked on sites that included that sort of expertise.
0: Murder scenes. Well.
1: I don't know if I ever told you about the dig I helped with in Flint. What's that? They were going to build like an apartment in uh, downtown Flint, kind of near like the Mott campus. Mm -hmm. And as they're building like the foundation, the basement kind of thing, they came across some bones and they were like, oh, (laughs) How old are these? Yeah. (laughs) Do you have to give them to a museum or a police officer? Turns out they were human remains, but very, very old, like pre contact Native American. It was like a burial site. And so we kind of helped excavate the area. It was sort of disturbed because of the, the way they dug the basement. So it wasn't like. Usually they grid stuff out so they know where things came from in the earth. Mm-hmm. But they had already, like, backhoed all this stuff into piles. So we were sort of sifting through that. But we found a lot of
0: remains. Like, I don't remember the exact number. It was like
1: 100 bodies, approximately.
0: Good Lord. And you were just, like, throwing skulls in a bucket or something? Well, we yeah, we, like, sifted it gently and... Took out oh, you the place skulls and buckets.
1: <laughs> yeah. We took them back and we cleaned them and then we reinterred them. And that's reinterred. Yeah. Like same place, like in the, yeah. like, the lawn next yeah, to Yeah. Like you may have bought that land, but that's you can't build a, uh, an apartment on that anymore because that's a Native oh. American burial ground
0: now. Well, like what if you just reinterred them much deeper? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Scott City level, you know what I'm saying? Like no. all the way down, like like 20 feet below the basement. Man. I, mean, I mean, you know that I'm one for
1: I don't give a shit what you do to my body when I die. <laughs> yeah, I remember you
0: <laughs> offering it up for necrophilia. Hey, we brought it yeah. up again. See, that's how we are. <laughs> Bringing it back. Yeah, like I don't, because I don't have
1: any like beliefs about... uh afterlife for the sanctity of my body. I'm just gonna rot in the ground and something's gonna eat me and circle of life, right? <laughs> I, don't, life. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, But, like, yeah. In other cultures, the, the sanctity of the body is important and... But they're dead! Yes, but... Like
0: that's, thousands of
1: years dead. You know? That's not like, my business, though. But look, but like, look. Let's say you found the end. I'm not gonna donate your body for s- necrophilia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you decide you want to do that, you can. Well, like I, sh- I, I mean, I have good reason to make you like the executor of my will. And if you <laughs> thought that was the best thing for real for people, and like you know, maybe I should be donated to necro if that's Ian Dixon's will. Well. You know, as long as the brain becomes a pod brain AI technology, potting forever somehow. Yeah. The body, yeah, might as well. If Ian thinks that's the best way to go, I'll I'll let it happen. But like, yeah, maybe you well, just want to monitor to see what happens to it. We have aut-
1: uh, we should have autonomy over our bodies, and if I decide I want to be a but like you don't know, sacrifice to necrophiles, then that's fine. I I decided that, but I'm not going to decide for other but, people what they want
0: to do with their bodies and. But like they're so old, like you can't even tell like what their will really was. Like, what if that was just like, yeah, sure, it was pre-contact Native Americans, but you don't know like what those people believed. Like, maybe they just put people in the dirt. Well, because there's some they were bored
1: tradition that has survived,
0: and we kind of generally know
1: like that there was some sanctity in the burials.
0: I mean, for the generations that survived, but you don't know who like these particular people are. I don't think that's important. So you just assume that their beliefs are the beliefs of the people who survived. Like, what if the people who survived are the people who killed these people like in some pre-contact <laughs> war and like they had a completely different belief system. They were just like, please just toss bodies away like like trash. I shouldn't be trash because we're more like Zen when the body goes, so does the spirit or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, they just had a different belief system, but they got conquered. Pre-contact Native Americans conquered them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they, they just put them in a... Put them in the ground like nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, really, reinterring that well, only enforces their captors' belief system the, on them.
1: The remains were studied. Oh, after they were. Oh, cleaned. there's facts, so they weren't.
0: <laughs> they weren't massacred or anything. It was oh, okay. like natural deaths. Sure, but like, were there like? Uh, religious artifacts and like you can well, tell that this one was put in a you assume that like if they die from natural
1: causes and they're all buried in the same place that there's like some
0: just because 99% <laughs> of civilizations behave that way <laughs> doesn't mean this random one you found did. <laughs> well by 99.9 9. but <laughs> that's what I say it's like if it's not written down then like what's the deal like who who who's being offended just Just the idea, because I know like that happens with like tribes where, you know, Mm -hmm. where they came from. But if you don't know where they came from, like, what's the respect being paid to? Well, there's a lot of
1: uh, situations where we're not super (laughs)
0: respectful, like parading mummies around in museums. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because Egypt, screw Egypt. Yeah. (laughs) They wanted to be showboated around (laughs) the way they buried those people. (laughs) okay
1: <laughs> you know what gonna, if dinosaurs were really uh,
0: theistic yeah yeah like what if they had that going like you know there's those creationist museums where Jesus was walking with the velociraptor yeah you know maybe they believe in that kind of thing like you know maybe they're like the hardcore Catholics that don't believe in cremation or something mm-hmm. because the body's got to rise up they just threw themselves in tar pits to be preserved yeah <laughs> The woolly mammoths are the smartest ones. They went to the <laughs> Arctic. <laughs> you know? Like, we don't know. I mean, like, maybe the entire field of paleontology is blasphemy. It's possible. It's entirely possible. There's people who would argue that paleontology is blasphemy. And their
1: ancestors, our are, are chicken friends, are going to come for us in retribution for what we've done to the, their dinosaur ancestors.
0: Oh, yeah. They're just letting us breed them and eat them in mass so that their (laughs) numbers may climb. (laughs) Then one day they will break free of their cages and their avian hen houses Mm -hmm. and destroy us with a vigor on a two scene by humankind.
1: Speaking of the end of humankind, did you see that the the doomsday clock is creeping ever closer to midnight?
0: We're a hundred seconds to doomsday, and I didn't think we'd get to this topic. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> it was a little late in, <laughs> in the pod. Well, I mean, but yeah, we're hundred apocalypse. Seconds. That's another recurring theme. Yeah, that's true. Apocalypse, I mean, we're, we're, necrophilia, we're, we're hitting it on all the all the checkboxes today. Classic skycast, which is good because it's like episode ninety. It's got to be classic. You know, got to prove that we can still pod fire. You know, doomsday clock hasn't been this far advanced since Ever. fifties. I think well it was two minutes to midnight in the fifties. Two and minutes then to 50. Yeah, that's right. We went back to two
1: minutes last year. And then this year it was obviously worse. <laughs> but I think they didn't want to alarm people by like having less than a minute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like there's gotta be steps available.
1: And, and we, we have like, to preserve some kind of hope. Yeah. But we're we're measuring by seconds now. <laughs>
0: But that's a hundred of them. True. So that's a hundred (laughs) updates. Like when it was two minutes, it was like, oh boy, there's one more update and then we're done. Now it's a hundred seconds. It's like, oh, okay. There's maximum 100 escalations that can happen. (laughs) But they're including threats from nuclear war, climate change, disease outbreak, Mm -hmm. population overflow, every available heuristic. All of those things are happening. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. It's like it's almost like uh, nothing really advanced too much recently, but mm-hmm. the tensions got really high. Yes, although one thing did advance that uh is alarming mm-hmm. that that caught my eye. Russia has hypersonic nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. that's nuclear weapons that travel faster than the speed of sound, which cannot be uh, taken down by our DARPA defense system.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. So now if Russia wanted to nuke us. Uh, they could do so, and do it before we could react. Awesome! Yay! I guess you know it's all yeah. about that. It's all about that second turn in that game, right? Well, I think once the
1: nuking starts, it's just that's kind of endgame. Yeah, it's just back and forth until and there's nothing.
0: I feel I feel like there's a lot of potential for post-apocalyptic humankind. Like, in a radiated environment, Mm -hmm. like, I'm saying maybe 5-10% humanity survives. But, you know, well,
1: I don't know if I want to
0: say this. Never (laughs) mind.
1: What the hell are you possibly holding back (laughs) now? They're obviously going to nuke the cities because that's where all the people are.
0: Not Detroit, probably. Mm,
1: Not initially. We're
0: like the fifth wave of... Times. Yeah,
1: we're we're a later wave, but I mean this is like an epicenter of uh, population in the region. Um, so yeah, if there's a, uh, apocalyptic survivors, they're gonna be like in the middle of butt fuck nowhere, like
0: Wyoming. So if nuclear war started, are you going to Wyoming? No, fuck no, Jesus. Really? You, you wouldn't even go to. <laughs> I'm saying those people are going to be the ones to survive. So, like,
1: how awful would the post-apocalypse
0: be? I mean, let's <laughs> be honest. The rednecks know how to live in the post-apocalyptic. Right. I guess they, they probably. Go, yeah, they're they're used to living without supplies for a long time. They're used to no Starbucks. They're used to no Target. Mm-hmm. They're used to all this stuff. They're used to getting their movies two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> They are ready for the post-apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Like in these places, like in Nebraska and where my parents are, like apocalypse happens, they're good. hmm You know, they've got a medical uh, medical facility factory next to them. That, that's like one of the main employers. They've got corn, as far as the eye can see, mm-hmm. beef, you know, they're fine.
1: So that would be a reason they would hit Detroit's manufacturing.
0: Yeah, we got some stuff. Yeah. You know, but but you know, still we got a hundred seconds, <laughs> which in my mind means we've got a hundred seconds to build Scott Cass City. Mm. It's getting time. How deep those fallout shelters need to be to survive?
1: Because like I remember my my middle school was like built in Cold World era, and so like our locker rooms were technically fallout areas. But they Th- those were standards like standards weren't real. Yeah, they were like thirty feet underground. Like you
0: would still
1: for sure die.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that was just that was just a bill of gold bill of goods sold to them. Right. If you get like enough concrete above you, maybe that's fine. <laughs> maybe a little radiation's good for you, really. Like when you get to it. Cause like if the world's gonna be radiated and like it's gonna get to you anyway. So you might as well have that like initial dose of like Buffered, sure. Mm-hmm. About thirty feet of concrete buffered mm-hmm. radiation. Post-apocalypse, you're getting that light dose of radiation underground while you're building your city. It's affecting your genes. It's affecting how your body reacts to it. Your body learns how to react to it over time because it's a civilization thing. It's mm-hmm. survival of the fittest, Darwinian evolution, etc. As you go on, uh, if you don't have that initial contact. Like we're gonna be like little little babes in the woods released as soon as we go outside because that radiation's gonna last thousands of years, millions of years. Yeah, might as well get a tan.
1: That's a Scott Cast take.
0: <laughs> that's a that's a Scott Cast take. <laughs> <laughs> might as well get a tan. <clears throat> Maybe for the hundredth episode, we should do another game episode, but we'll theme it after a hundred seconds to midnight. Mm. So it's like all post-apocalyptic themed questions and and, and and pod challenges. All segments last a hundred seconds. Yeah, you get a hundred seconds to respond. <laughs> so I was like, Dave gets a hundred. David gets a hundred seconds to prove that he can listen to a story. <laughs> 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 and yeah, and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, like real classic Scottcast topic. Just real fun. Hundredth episode celebration because we got to think about it. We're all gonna die. But ScottCast knew this all along. Like, we've been pretty much, like, this doesn't really change our worldview in any way. Yeah, we we called this a long, long ago. Yeah. Like, before it was two minutes to midnight, we were just like, we gotta dig. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm lazy enough that I actually haven't dug any holes yet. Mm. We were kind of counting on that, like, sinkhole over on St. Aubin, and then they filled it, and... Yeah, that's why I moved to Hamtramck. There's like the most (laughs) sinkholes randomly (laughs) appearing. One of them is going to be big enough to pull in some equipment. Yeah. So we got another email bag. This is one of those email bags that we're literally stealing from someone else's advice bag. Mm. Because I feel like we'll have better advice than whoever the hell wrote this thing. So email bag. Help, I watch horror movies with my seven-month-old. Is this bad? Well, first off, of course not. Second off, here's what she said. (laughs) I am a horror fan. I also have a seven-month-old daughter who often sits in my lap while I watch horror movies. At what age can she comprehend what she is seeing? And when should I stop watching horror films and gory content in her presence? I don't want her to grow up thinking it's normal to capture men in bear suits. Or do I? Hmm from um nervous about showing horror movies to a 7-month-old mother. Yeah. So, I would say that you should just expose your child to as much media as possible. I think a desensitized child is a well-balanced child. <laughs> 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 Uh. <laughs> okay, don't take us to reality from there, Ian Dixon. <laughs> well
1: um I think it really depends on what kind of horror you're talking about. She mentions Gore. She mentioned um Man in a Bear suit, which makes me think of uh, that newer one Midsummer. Hmm. Spoilers, there's man. In In a bear suit.
0: What does the man in a bear suit do? Um, Because she's saying someone captures the man in a bear suit. Yeah. I say that's a fine thing for a seven-month-old to see. That's fine. Extra spoilers, they burn him alive. (laughs) (laughs) That's a (laughs) little (laughs) different. I don't know. Maybe burning someone alive, I'd allow a kid to see. Eh. You know, like, they can comprehend that that's bad. I mean, I think there's, there's levels of horror and, like,
1: more... Modern horror goes to, um, some pretty extreme reaches of the human experience, which were probably not appropriate for, like, like human anyone under
0: the age of, yeah, like, teens. Human, human centipede, like, you shouldn't watch that if you're an adult. Right. You know? But, like, let's say It. Would you show a seven-month-old It? They're mostly gonna get bored by that movie. I saw it when I was like eight, probably. Right? Like, I mean, it's scary. It's scary. You know, it's it's unnerving to see Tim Curry with teeth like that, for sure, and those fingers in the the sewer, and 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 all, oh, oh, you bit. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's not scarring. But for a seven month old, it's like let's be real. They can't comprehend what the fuck they're seeing.
1: Well, that's the thing, is they're developing all of their, like, skills that are going to help them perceive the world.
0: Right, but they're, like, aren't they, like, seeing, like, some LSD, like, trippy, like, they can't even distinguish (laughs) sounds and sights quite yet.
1: I mean, they develop, like, facial recognition around, like, I don't know for sure, like, a couple months. They can recognize your face, like, three to five months.
0: Like, your face, like, like, the adults. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, but they don't necessarily recognize like there's they're a not like TV. putting together plot lines or anything.
1: Okay, but I mean, if they're exposed to violence on the regular, that's not good. I mean, like what if they're <laughs> I mean, think about way. think about they're like everything's new and they're soaking up the world. They're like a sponge, mm-hmm. right? And they're putting everything in their fucking mouth and they're their eyes are beginning to understand shapes and things. And if they are exposed to too much like violence or extreme content. um, No Scott (laughs) (laughs) cats. Yeah. Those, those systems that are like just kind of coming online. I mean, we don't have a lot of information about how, how that would affect early development. I don't think there've been studies specifically about like, <laughs> what happens when you show extreme gore to children? <laughs> right. Let's watch <laughs> this. infants. Um, but I would say that uh, you want to limit media in general. And if you've ever been around like a one, two, three-year-old, like a toddler, who's like just starting to talk and walk and shit, mm-hmm. it's annoying. You know that they copy everything they see, especially murder. That's part <laughs> of learning. Is like modeling. Mm-hmm. So if they see you doing some specific thing, they'll try to do that thing. So, yeah, let's not expose them to like extreme violence.
0: Like what if, what if someone in this impressionable age, two or three, Mm listened to Scott cast, do you think they'd have like a mini poker table and a little mini beers in their room? And their mom would pop in and being like, what are you doing? I'm podcasting. No, no. I don't think their verbal comprehension would be at that
1: level at that point. They would probably say fuck a lot. (laughs) Well, I do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They would repeat words, but they wouldn't, uh, I don't think they'd comprehend like our, what we're talking about necessarily. I mean,
0: I'm basically just doing what infants do, except uh, instead of be modeling my behavior on like my parents Mm -hmm. or my immediate surroundings, I'm modeling it after podcasters on the internet. Yeah. So I'm just an impressionable youth myself. That's true and if someone came to me and they were like Scott you're being too impressionable by uh by by the media these podcasters mm-hmm. and I can tell because you've got a poker table and you've got these mics standing there and like that's 90% of your living space mm-hmm. and i'd be like you know what screw you old man i'm gonna do what i want and then i'd go do what i want which is this i'd probably podcast about it and actually here we are now yeah <laughs> you know so like if I'm a seven month old and I'm liking this horror movie shtick, like I, you could tell I'm going to be a Tim Burton fan. Yeah, when I grow up, I don't know. Maybe I don't appreciate you taking away my Goth Huggies. Well, I think there's level. Like I said, there's levels of
1: extremity when it comes to this. So like, I,
0: like whatever three year old just loves horror, like that's you can't fine. get them to stop. I, loving I grew horror.
1: up on like those. We went and saw that fucking Guillermo del Toro movie in the. Scary stories to tell in the dark. I grew up on those books.
0: That's true. Well, that's because the... the Those pictures were pretty disturbing. Exactly. Like, whoever ordered, like, for schools for the entire nation (laughs) between, like, certain years uh, really slipped up ordering those books for everybody. The 90s were rad for, like,
1: yeah, just, like weird shit for
0: kids. Right? Because people just get those little catalogs and like a little (laughs) tiny paragraph describing the book. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Reading level, well, you know, seventh to eighth grade. Yeah. Okay. Everyone loves scary stories, right? the thing is like,
1: as I was consuming that sort of stuff, it was like seven to nine, which is like, that's kind of border range where you're like, being able to distinguish fantasy and reality, you're kind of giving up the magical thinking of of childhood where um, maybe
0: Disney movies feel more real than
1: at five than they do when you're at nine, right?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I watched a Christmas movie um, over in in, in Nebraska with my parents Mm -hmm. just this past Christmas, and I wanted it to be real. I was crying at the end. Kurt (laughs) Russell's Santa Claus and he's just such a sweetheart as Santa. Oh,
1: Kurt Russell. I love Kurt Russell.
0: Right? He's a good Santa. Like, uh, I know you don't believe in Santa, Ian. <laughs> 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 but there's a Kurt Russell movie made in uh, by Netflix next Christmas time. Yeah. Next winter solstice. Mm. Um. Uh, go ahead, watch uh, Kurt Russell as Santa. It'll warm your heart. And I would watch Kurt Russell in any role. I like Kurt Russell. You're a big Kurt Russell fan? You're Kurt
1: Russell accolade. I, I I mean, I guess I've never seen him not be a badass is what like
0: <laughs> the thing is weird. one of my
1: favorite movies of all time. Okay. Where he's just basically complete badass. That Tarantino movie, what the Grindhouse one, where he was like an asshole, but he, he killed people, but he kind of got his comeuppance, but he was still badass.
0: Tarantino Grindhouse movie. What was it called? Death Proof. There you go. So every time Kurt Russell's on the screen, he's like he's
1: Madison. And he was in uh, he was in like a a Western kind of horror crossover in the last couple of years called Bone Tomahawk.
0: Well, in this one, uh, he promotes Dodge products a lot. Okay. And he ends up in jail where everyone knows how to play a really bitchin' version of a Chuck Berry Christmas song, I believe. And he uh, gives the belief of Christmas back to these orphan kids. I think if you, I think you can't have a Christmas story that's heartwarming without talking about orphans. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I just think like, that's like a necessary thing. It's like the Santa myth, like the need to have this big fat old man who, who judges you from afar and then shows up real quick in the middle of the night to mm-hmm. shower praise and presents, And it's gone for a year immediately afterwards. Yeah. And everyone worships him and loves this guy, even though he's only there for a night. I think that's just the parable of like the fifties working dad, you know? Yeah. And like, that's just how people viewed about like their father figures. So like the Santa thing being connected with orphans all the time mm-hmm. is purely like, uh, like, Oh, your dad's gone, but you still got Santa. You know, because Santa's just like a 50s working dad. And in the 50s, if you were an orphaned kid, like you practically wouldn't even know the difference other than the extreme hardship.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: you know, if you want to
1: tug at the heartstrings, I guess orphans are the way to go.
0: Right. They say you're not supposed to call them orphans anymore. Like it's an offensive term. Foster children—is that what that is? But it's like if you're in the foster home, your parents aren't necessarily dead. Does your parents aren't necessarily dead? So like maybe it's just offensive to have a term that specifically describes children whose parents are dead. I don't think that's an offensive term though it's like that's a it's that's a state of being you yeah. know that's like if that's your life and like that's the start of your life that defines who you are in a way you know like Oliver Twist ain't Would, gonna like, ever widow get it from... be an
1: offensive term as well then
0: yeah like like maybe if like I was like grocery shopping with a widow and I was like hey widow do you want Cheetos I <laughs> <laughs> like just describing them that's not offensive <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess just don't address people by the pain they have.
0: (laughs) Not to their face, at least. (laughs) Try Uh, for their names. Good call. (laughs) All right, so what did we learn today, Ian? Well. Did we learn anything besides the orphan trick? (laughs) (laughs) Title. (laughs) The
1: orphan trick. (laughs) I guess we learned to respect people, call them by their names.
0: Yeah. Bury them if they want to be buried. Don't, and even if you don't know what their burial, like, thoughts were in their lifetime. Don't parade them around in museums. Don't parade them around. Don't assume it's nothing but, like, the standard, what everyone else seems to do. Yeah. It's just, you put them in the ground, you leave them there. Yeah. Like a little plant that does nothing.
1: And, uh,
0: I guess we learned that Scott Cast is for sale.
1: If you are a booze producer.
0: Well, like or... a little mention at the on the top of the top of the cast is for sale. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we, there's no content uh direction. Content is it's not for sale, content but uh, not for sale. we will accept gifts. We accept gifts. And and basically filming locations, stuff like that. Yeah. Favors barter. We we're a bartering sponsored podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so if you wanna if you want us to mention you at the top of everything, post you about you on the Facebook, Instagrams, make you look famous. We'll make you famous. Just contact us at emailbag at thescotcast.com. I set up an email. That's for isn't that where we got our email bags before? We used to, like like I was talking about hot at gmail.com, uh, but I stopped checking that. Uh, and then I had one a form on the website that people kind of never used. So, but now you can use the form, or you could just email the uh, email. Uh, wh- or you know, stop making new emails. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Here's the new one. Stick with it. email bag at thescottcast.com. Oh, yeah. Or the one on the website. It's not an email; it's just a form. So it's not hot for Scottcast anymore. I mean, oh, hot the number four in Scottcast, and that will work still. But I just don't check it. So don't <laughs> don't do that. One. <laughs> <laughs> alright you know so we learned about the email and I guess that's a that's a Scottcast for ya that was a pretty good one yeah so from the super colorful original telecommunicated transmission otherwise known as Cast, I bid the adieu see you later Scottcastigators oh yeah I'm so glad the original music's back in post